I made a conscious choice to look at everything that came at me next in this cancer journey with a positive perspective, not rose colored glasses, but really understanding, okay, so you have cancer, the power of positive self-talk I, I uncovered for myself. And I just said, okay, well, what's good? Well, I am in otherwise great shape, better health than most. So therefore I'll have fewer risks of complications during surgery, I'll have a faster recovery. Okay, great, Samantha, keep talking to yourself. What else is good? Okay, what else is good? I have great health insurance. I have an amazing support team around me. The more I focused on the good and less on the darkness, it brought me to the light. It brought me to that positive, happier space to be able to deal with the physical pain, the physical limitations, the heartache and you know that, and there, not to say there were not days that I curl up in a ball and cried, you have to allow yourself to feel, emote, but not wallow and stay there. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Welcome back to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. One topic that is near and dear to my heart and is so important, I know, for all of you is the topic of breast cancer. What makes us at risk for breast cancer? More importantly, how do we thrive after a diagnosis of breast cancer? There's so much confusion around this topic. Should I take hormones? Should I not take hormones? What what do I do next? What's my next right step? And I wanna bring on a influencer who is best known for her eight seasons on Dancing with the Stars. I mean, the epitome of health. She's been on Entertainment Tonight, and she is the game show network, uh, the host of the game show network's Tug of Words, Tug of Words. And she, at age 40, this wife, this mom, received a shocking diagnosis. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, only age 40. Rising from that challenge, she became a breast cancer thriver, not a survivor. And she is the author of the best-selling book, Your Healthiest Healthy. And what exactly does that mean? So I want to talk about this topic. And many of you email me questions about breast cancer, and I'll be asking some of these common questions that, that, I, that I get on a regular basis. And we'll delve into some of the ways to... Uh, number one, prevent, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, but to overcome even some of the worst diagnoses that you may be faced with in our lives. We're not immune to trauma, but we can all take our next right step. So welcome to the show, Samantha Harris. It is so great to have you here, Samantha. Thank you for joining us in the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Thank you. Well, yeah, I just love, I, first of all, you know what a huge, not only friend, but a fan I am of you, Dr. Anna. You 
put out incredible content. You help so many people, not just from your books, but also everything that you put out on social media. And so I'm grateful because that's how we connected. I'm so happy that I've had you as a live guest expert in the Your Healthiest Healthy community. And so being on your podcast is um, an honor and I'm so happy to be here with everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you. That means so much to me. And I always think I laugh when I think of Instagram. That's where I get the opportunity to post my granddaughter pictures, proud grandmama pictures too. <laughs> we have to do that. <laughs> I just love it. Um, so Samantha, I was telling our audience just a little bit about your history. Can you share your story with us? Of course. So, you know, here I was at this Minnesota girl living the Hollywood dream. I had worked so hard from the time I was 12 to try to get on camera professionally. And I now was the you know host of Dancing with the Stars for the eight seasons and Entertainment Tonight, and Good Morning America, and all these other really awesome shows, living the dream that I worked so hard to. And I had a wonderful husband, which I still have, and two daughters at the time. This is 2014. They were three and six at the time. And here I am doo -doo -doo, just going along my happy little you know hard stressed but exciting life and i got diagnosed with breast cancer so i mean spelled a lump you i mean and i mean we're talking about blindsided because dr anna i went to get a mammogram because i was turning 40. my dad had died of colon cancer and, and so there was cancer in the family his mom had breast cancer uh, around age 65 lived to 95 but i figured cancer is there, I should probably check this thing out. And I'm as fit and healthy as I have ever been at almost 40. So let's go do this mammogram thing and get the boobs squished. So I did. And the results came back clear because of course they did, right? I was so healthy. And 11 days after my clear mammogram results, I was changing after a workout. You know how tight those sports bras are. You gotta move the girls to the left, move them to the right. It's like this, I, like the, the soft tissue, soft shoe, I call it, you know? A little dance with them as I'm rotating them around. All of a sudden, there was this lump. And I mean, it was a sizey lump. And I thought that's really strange. How did I not notice this before? I just had a clear mammogram. Now I could have stuck my head in the sand and said, clear mammogram, I'm fine, whatever. But I thought, you know, I'll just call my OBGYN. She was the, not only the doctor who delivered both of our daughters, but she was also the doctor I had from my time I was 22 when I first moved to LA and I trusted her more than anyone. And she did a quick clinical exam, felt around and said, yeah, you're turning 40. This is what 40 looks like, lumpy breasts. It's nothing and sent me on my way. So a month later, that lump was still there. And I thought, this is weird. I should get a second opinion, but it got cancer. So I went to my internist. He did the same thing, quick clinical exam, felt around, eh, it's nothing, sent me on my way. Okay, so now it's the holidays. You know, I'm Because you're young, you're healthy, you can feel everything. Yeah, I and like, every oh, it's day. a fibrocystic breast, but it was an isolated lump. It wasn't all over. No, it was one isolated lump in a it's very not fibrocystic spot. breast. I just want to emphasize that fibrocystic breast is lumpy, bumpy breast all over. And you can feel them. This is why it's so important to do your breast exams and to feel and get to know your fingers have memory. And you're like, huh, I don't remember this. This is something new and different. And you trust your intuition. So that is, you know, that's powerful, Samantha. Yeah. Okay, so two docs down two docks down and I'm underwater because it's the holidays and I came up from air for air and it's February, four months after I found this lump. So I thought, okay, I better go see someone who looks at breasts every day as their specialty. Again, not thinking I had cancer, but 
the only doctor who does that is a breast oncologist. So there I was at the breast center at one of the local hospitals. Again, she did not think I had anything to worry about, but she did two ultrasounds, a needle biopsy. We had a subsequent MRI, not one test detected that it was breast cancer. Mm. However, she did come back with the pathology results from the needle biopsy and said, I have good news and bad news. Good news is it's not cancer. Bad news is I don't know what it is. Let's take it out. So she did, woke up from that surgery, that lumpectomy, still quote, not cancer. A week later, went back to her for my final pathology results. And I told my husband, honey, you don't need to come with me, you know, stay with the kids or go golf, whatever. Like who wants to sit in a doctor's office? So I was alone when I learned that not only was it ductal carcinoma in situ, which um, for those listening who may not know, that's the cancer that's stuck within the duct and it doesn't know how to get out. It's not smart enough, thankfully, to get out of the duct. But there was also a little bit of extra tissue she took a sample of and it turned out that it was invasive. Mm. And there my breast cancer journey began. Mm. And then did you have to have a second surgery to check for lymph nodes and so right so now i had invasive breast cancer and i had a choice i could have well, another first, you're there alone hearing this diagnosis yeah. samantha that must have been terrible it was terrifying and overwhelming and the adrenaline and anxiety and hysteria i could literally feel coursing in my veins the vibration didn't go away for a few weeks until I realized I needed to flip my perspective because this thing was shooting down every bit of positivity and happiness that I had. Um, and that's, a, that's a, another story and I can go into that too. But so in that moment, I called my husband, I said, I couldn't talk. I just said, meet me. We met um, away from the house because I didn't want to tell him because the kids were at home playing and, uh, and there we were. So I needed to decide now, was I going to have another lumpectomy with uh, 30 rounds of radiation or was I going to have a single or double mastectomy? And so I had a lot of different consultations. I had multiple opinions. Clearly, that was one of the biggest things that I learned in this journey. And I want to emphasize for anyone out there who finds something different on their body, whatever it is, to not be afraid to offend. And I hope I, I know I know you will second this as a, a doctor. Don't be afraid to offend your doctor by getting a second opinion or even a third opinion. Would you say that's right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we have to know and we have to understand. I even got a second pathology opinion because we were basing all of our decisions based on the pathology. So I wanted to make sure the interpretation was correct. It right. was breast cancer. It was. I had three different surgical oncologists who I met with. I had two radiation oncologists who I met with and I got multiple opinions. So ultimately I chose a double mastectomy with two stage reconstruction. I ended up choosing not to do chemo, which was going to be four rounds. I chose not to do that. And I, because my oncotype score was low. And for anyone who wants to ask me more details, feel free to reach out to me, Samantha Harris TV on Instagram or, so, or, or Facebook. I'm all an open book and I, I answer every single breast cancer patient, survivor, thriver, previver, everyone, because it's so important. And that has become my mission outside of the TV work that I do. 99% of it is in this wellness space, helping others. And so um, I ended up also choosing not to do additional radiation because even though I didn't have a lumpectomy, still there was the potential of local recurrence. And so they radiate quite often. And I, uh, after again, two different opinions, thankfully the second opinion had much more research behind her answers for telling me that I didn't need it. And I was grateful for that. Mm, 
Mm -hmm. And so when you tested for that, did, were you diagnosed with stage one? What stage? So, yeah. So I was initially diagnosed stage one, but after my mastectomy, when they automatically do a axilla node biopsy, that's your lymph node under your armpit, it's sort of the gatekeeper to the other nodes. So if it has cancer, they take more out. It did have cancer. So I was oh my God, Samantha, that is crazy story from negative mammo, negative ultrasound you know, you know, questionable needle biopsy to have that invasive. It was confounding. Um, even the, the, uh, the medical oncologist who wrote the forward to my book, Dr. Dennis Slayman, he is known as the father of Herceptin. So anyone who has HER2 negative breast cancer oftentimes takes Herceptin. And he was the doctor who found that. He's my, one of my medical oncologists. And he even said before my surgery, Oh, we caught this so early and it's so slow growing and the likelihood of it going to a lymph node is near impossible because truly from everything that he had seen in his research, it was unlikely. And here I was in the room before my mastectomy getting this node biopsied and it had cancer. So they took out 11 lymph nodes. Thank goodness, not one of the other nodes was positive, but now I had one lymph involvement. And so therefore, because of that node being involved, it, it restaged me. Mm. So, and so you opted not to do chemotherapy because the benefits risk with the chemotherapy and having the surgery, very clear margins and all of that mm -hmm. aspect to it, but still like, okay, here you are, this dancing with the stars you know, superstar, you know, very much, very physical and, you know, breast health, part of your identity too. Like how, how did you deal with the double mastectomy and that um, wrapping your mind and reframing, reframing that for yourself? Well, I think you just hit it on the head, Dr. Anna, is that the, the reframing of it is what you had needed to do, you know, in those first few weeks after diagnosis, when the adrenaline anxiety coursing through my veins felt so crushing and soul crushing it was, I said, I can't feel like this. I don't know how long this journey is going to be. And I can't feel like this anymore. And I, I don't know what it was. People say, well, how did you know it? I flip your first, but I don't know. I just knew I couldn't feel that way. I never felt like that before. So I made a conscious choice to look at everything that came at me next in this cancer journey with a positive perspective, not rose colored glasses, but really understanding, okay, so you have cancer, the power of positive self-talk I, I uncovered for myself. It was a newfound thing. And of course, many people who've been in this space know how great positivity and a positive mindset is. I didn't know about that. And I just said, okay, well, what's good? Well, I am in otherwise great shape and better and better health than most. So therefore I'll have fewer risks of complications during surgery. I'll have a faster recovery. Okay, great, Samantha, keep talking to yourself. What else is good? Okay, what else is good? I have great health insurance. I have an amazing support team around me. The more I focused on the good and less on the darkness, it brought me to the light. It brought me to that positive, happier space to be able to deal with the physical pain, the physical limitations, the heartache, and you know that. And there, not to say there were not days that I curled up in a ball and cried. You have to allow yourself to feel, emote, but not wallow and stay there. Yeah, no, and then it takes it takes strength to do that. So focusing on like, okay, what's you know, how can I look at this positively? Whew. Yeah. 
that's that's a challenge that's a challenge and now you're advocating for other women so you went through you went through this journey you went through this transformation it's a transformation it's a metamorphosis and and like you you talk about thriving not surviving mm -hmm. so talk about that a little bit well, again, it's really very much about the mindset. And so, so when I had two different surgeries, well, three total, but after the lumpectomy, I had a two part uh, mastectomy, then reconstruction. So with that, I actually had to stay basically bedridden for three weeks. I wasn't allowed to get up and move more than 20 minutes every two hours, because that was the particular requirement from my surgeon. And so I am a very active on the go person. It's very hard to keep me down. So instead, my fingers did a lot of work on my computer being very busy creating. And I launched a website that is called Gotta Make Lemonade. It's still out there. Um, but it was this idea to when things knock you down, how do you not just get back up, but turn them into something better. And so that perspective and that lesson for our girls also is what really helped. My husband was the one who said, well, we gotta make lemonade. Let's do something I'm like that's cool you're it's easy for you to say but it's also hard for the caregivers right there's so much on them and the worries of course a spouse has when your wife or husband um, are going through something that could be life altering or life ending and so uh i think we don't sometimes give enough credit to to our caregivers because we're depending on them so much to just be strong and get the work done that needs to get done so in terms of thriving once I got through the physical healing, I needed to know why I had breast cancer. Exactly. Yeah. I, so I'm a national ambassador for the breast cancer organization, Susan G. Komen. And one of the most shocking statistics that I learned is that only five to 10% of breast cancers are actually genetic. And here I was with a dad with colon cancer and his mom with breast cancer. It had to be genetic. And my testing came back and there was not one link to them. Now, since then, I've Meaning had another, the BRCA1, BRCA2 genetics. But well beyond that, there's also something um, that links breast and colon cancers. There's uh, a, many other known, and now actually, since I have been retested within the last year, there are now 180 different tests, and I still, thank goodness, came up negative for any genetic mutations. And this to me was the most baffling thing because one in eight women will get breast cancer in her lifetime, yet only five to 10% are hereditary. Mm -hmm. And since I'm a journalist by training, I began to research and speak to every expert I could. And what I learned is truly what we put in, on, and around our bodies, how we choose to live our lifestyle and certain habits, the environmental effects of all that, turning on or leaving off certain DNA structures and genetic makeup within us that then can activate and create something like cancer or heart disease or type two diabetes or neurodegenerative disorders or hormone imbalances as you go so deeply. And I love, you know, I love in your book uh, in, in Keto Green 16, you, and you talk about not just, okay, well, how are we going to eat and should I intermittent fast and what should I cut out and add more alkaline vegetables? What you also emphasize, which is so important, and I've come to learn and now espouse, is also mitigating stress, getting good quality sleep, getting a proper amount of daily moves, movement and physical activity, right? It's this holistic approach to be able to mitigate our risk of diseases. And so to me, that was the most life-changing information and insight that I gained. So I wrote my book, Your Healthiest Healthy, 
which is a guide to basically get people started on that, get the toxins out of your makeup and your beauty routine. I mean, mm -hmm. I sat in a makeup chair for my career being shellacked with these chemical bombs of hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors, mm -hmm. and carcinogens, not even knowing. I was eating food that was not serving me. I was you know, stressed out in my career as much as I loved it. It, it was stressful and I had no techniques to deal with stress. And then so, other, other one, and then, I mean, stress is such a big hormone disruptor. It's, you know, I, talk about all the time, the antidote is oxytocin, right? Have more fun. Mm. And you're all into that and do things that give you joy. Now question, were you on birth control pills for a long time? Were you on antibiotics for a long time? Any of those um, hormone disruptors? It's a great question. And now as I look to my daughters going into their teen years and what to do or not to do for them, I think back to the fact that I didn't have a regular period, like barely got my period. So they put me on a progesterone supplement uh, very early, I think at 16 and from 16 to 24, I was on that progesterone supplement. And then at 24, finally had a boyfriend. And so I went on the pill and finally, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 24, you guys. I, so, but that was a purposeful thing. I, I really valued, I, you know, it's a very different, it's a whole, you know, I know I'm, I'm all with that. Part of me wondered, awesome. I could have maybe had a lot more fun and, you know, but it's okay. I'm in my, my second spring, which is about, which is right upon me. It's awesome. That is uh, awesome. I am, I am making up for, for a lot of time with my, my husband's very lucky. Um, <laughs> TMI. I okay. love it. I love it. Awesome. I'm into that for sure. Our bodies are designed for pleasure and that increases oxytocin. Yes. And it also keeps marriages healthy and happy. And it's it really good. I think too, for me, I also, when I was younger, I worried so much about sexually transmitted diseases and the value of my body. And I knew so many of the boys, I know I'm going on a tangent, I'll get right back on track. But you know, I knew so many and this is what I try to teach my girls too. And my husband does as well. Boys want one thing. So I my fear was if I give them what they want, they'll be gone. And so to me, it was that basically no one wanted to wait around more than two months. So I wasn't willing to give it up. So anyway, so at 24, I went on the birth control pill. And then finally, at 30, three, when I was ready to get pregnant with my first, I had actually go on Clomid. Um, for both pregnancies, I had um, I needed two rounds of Clomid and finally on the second round for each of them, I got pregnant. So I wonder so much too, mm -hmm. what did that do with my, to mm -hmm. elevate my breast cancer risk? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a hormone disruptor. And then the other thing I've seen is recurrent antibiotic use in young breast cancer patients. So like, you know, for ear infections, for asthma, for respiratory infections, for, you know, whatever it may be, you know, we were so uh, liberal in the 80s, 90s, you know, giving, and even, even to today, but really giving that antibiotic prescription for the least necessary sniffle. And so that makes me, I mean, it's a huge hormone disruptor. And I just see that common thread in, in my younger breast cancer patients specifically. Oh, and it's, it's frightening. I mean, I think about it every time. For I... acne, that's another big one. People on continuous antibiotics for acne. It's not no. the right way. It's not the right approach. It's a hormone disruptor. So I think like you looking at that and saying, okay, well, this 
this, these were some of my risk factors. And this is where it's empowering because every single patient I asked who had come to my office, no matter where in the world they came to my office from, who had a history of diagnosis of breast cancer or a history of it, I asked them what caused the breast cancer. The answer is, I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. So you have to look like, what were some of those risk factors? What put me at risk? Because then you're now powerful. You're like, okay, now I'm choosing organic. I'm choosing to prioritize my sleep and my meditation and my prayer life. I'm choosing to focus on the positive and the joy. I'm choosing to keep moving. I'm choosing to Mm. use organic, natural. I choose my toxins like my eyeliner and my lipstick. But, you know, for the most part, you know, really stay with the cleanest, healthiest products and what's on my skin, olive oil, soap. So you make those choices and now you're powerful and you're creating a body resistant or inhospitable to cancer. Yes. Yes. That's the modeling that I see you doing. And it's thank you. Well, I, you know, you asked me a little earlier, how do I become more of a thriver than just a survivor? And it has been taking my power back. We can only control what we can control, which is actually one of my main three prongs of best stress relief, which is control what you can control, worry when you have to worry and take that positive self-talk, you know, when we're in those stressful situations and, and worrying so much, but control what you can control so that you can take your power back. So I could have a consistent sleep wake cycle. I can move my body every day. I can decide what goes from my fork on my plate to my mouth. And how I'm in, how am I making those changes? I think one of the most profound changes that I made was with nutrition. Uh, I was already exercising. I just changed my mindset around exercise. Instead of exercising for the extrinsic value of I want to look good in a dress because I'm in my 20s and 30s, it became what can my body do for me? How can it carry me as one vessel through my whole life with physicality, ability, you know, flexibility, and all of that. Then when it came to food, you know, I, I grew up, I mentioned, I grew up in Minnesota. I ate every part of the cow, tongue to practically tail. Meat was front and center at every meal, whether it was red meat or poultry or fish, you know, starting the day with eggs or yogurt or terrible sugar laden cereal. So I think the, the two changes that I really made after cancer were first, where are those hidden, hidden sugars? Where am I getting sugar? I don't realize. Fine. If I'm going to have a cookie, I'm going to have a piece of cake. I know I'm getting sugar. That actually was the issue. It was, is it in my yogurt? Is it in my cereal? Is it in my bread and my pasta sauce? What are the Steak hidden names? sauce, right? Everything. Every, it is everywhere with over 75 synonyms. So how could I begin to reduce my added sugar intake? Okay. Part one. Part two was, wow, I eat animals seven, you know, seven days a week, three meals a day. What can I do to reduce that? And for when I do have it, how can I increase the quality while also reducing the portion size? Because we, of course, we all grew up in a society where that big slab of meat or whatever animal protein is front and center. And I think that whether you ask people who are gurus in the keto or the paleo space or the vegan or the vegetarian or Mediterranean space, the one thing they will all agree on and again, this was my biggest switch and aha moment is a plant-based foundation so that half your plate is full of vegetables at every meal, non-starchy, ideally. Then when 
I started to retrain my brain to, okay, it's time for a snack or it's time for a meal, ideally not a snack. I know we don't like snacking on keto green 13, 16. Um, but if I, if it's time for me to put something in my mouth, what can I, how can I add more veggies to this? How can I add more nutrient density, variety and build a great strong microbiome, but also reinforce my health so that I all of a sudden realize I don't have the cravings. I start my day after intermittent fasting, 14 to 16 hours, usually 14 to 15. I start my day with a smoothie that is packed with so much goodness. If you guys want my smoothie recipes, I have a lot of them, but my main ones I'm happy to share with you. I'll share all of them with you. Again, Samantha Harris TV, just DM me. And same with my clean beauty. You know, I changed my beauty. I switched to slowly but surely, right? This is 2014. This has been a process. Small, manageable steps is at the root of living your healthiest, healthy life. So if it's your skincare, just change your day cream and then maybe start to change your night cream. If it's your makeup, change your foundation, right? The things that are covering the biggest surface area and then level up until you eventually swap everything out for clean beauty. I have the last TV show I shot, we did 65 episodes, six shows a day. It was intense. And I, my, my hair and makeup girls have been with me for a long time. We're really close. And I said, girls, I, I only want clean beauty. The biggest challenge is hair. I've already found a lot of good clean makeup, but I want more clean makeup and clean mascara, which is really hard to find. I'm going to share with you because I know you mentioned your mascara. Yeah, um, eyeliner and mascara. Give me some eyeliner. Okay. I mean, I will. I will share with you. And we vetted at all and tried all of these different brands. And so I put together a list of the ones that were my favorites that are really clean three of all of the, you know, 2,500 different possible, you know, I mean, it's amazing, right? How many chemicals are used in the United States and Canada, especially, I mean, the European union has banned at least 13 or 1400 of those chemicals. Same with Japan. Somehow we here in Northern America just cannot quite do that. We've, things have to change. And that's where everyone listening, you know, choosing clean brands, looking at the ingredients. And I know as a point of a manufacturer, creating cosmetics, the Jolva cream, balance cream, you know, my supplements and stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I could do it cheaper other places, but I want to know my source. I want to trust my source. I want to know what's, you know, been tilled on that source. And as far as cosmetics, like preservatives, I always get like, oh, well, we can save money if we use these. Um, I'm like, no, we're not using that. And it's, it's like the, you can use natural ingredients that are clean as safe preservatives. You got to watch the shelf life, you know, a two, three year shelf life, not 10 years, like most of the stuff sitting on your CVS counter. Right. Well, and so, that's why too, when you and I, when you were a guest um, on there, your healthiest healthy community, well, the many times that we've talked about the products that you offer, I knew that when I got the one for my lip, my, my upper lips and the lower, but I knew that it was clean and I knew that I could trust how you sourced it so that it would pass the sort of high Samantha level of being free of the toxins. And that's why it's so important. And I, that's why, you know, I, um, you guys, again, I, I, I actually literally put like a PDF together. So I'm, I, I, oh, I had much fun. We want that. So you guys, yeah, to send me a DM, I will send, I will send it to you guys. So that is awesome. Yeah. So you're going to go back to the mascara and the eyeliner. 
So which brands, which one to use? Because true, it's like our eyes, I'm, I'm Middle Eastern. So the old kohol, you know, mm. like the old charcoal, the old kohol, I don't know what right. it is actually, now that I think about it. I'm like, I hope that was organic. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> but that is like what I'm addicted to, that that dark eyeliner. And so, yeah, that's important. And, well, and a lot of the, like, you know, a lot of Christian the black red, I know. Yeah, it's well, you clean. know, it is I, I think clean. a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the dark car, um, eyeliners are made with coal tar. And we know that coal tar is a carcinogen. And so, you know, you go down to your local drugstore and you buy the brands there. They don't have any clean brands. Sephora now finally had, and Target too, they both now have sort of their cleaner versions of some of the brands. And uh, I'm so grateful because both I do can finally tell my kids, yes, okay, you're at Target, you're at Sephora. Sure, you can get some of them, but not, oh, they still aren't as stringent, but they have a couple of the brands that, you know, check all the boxes and then a couple that are considered their clean brands that they're better. They're a starting place, but they're not as where I would ideally want them, my, you know, my own girls to purchase from. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So we definitely want that list and tell our audience where they can, you know, like just in closing, like where, you know, well, first of all, where to find you, you know, Samantha Harris TV on Instagram. You guys got to follow her. Her Instagram is rocking. It is so beautiful and so fun and so informative. So really inspirational. And I think it's, and it's, and I really want to honor you and appreciate you for sharing your story with us because you don't see that, right? Like, like your doctors were like, oh, you're perfectly healthy. You're dancing with the stars. You're doing all this stuff. You're, you look amazing. You don't see what was happening on the inside and your body was crying for help. There was an imbalance. There was something going on that we needed to address. And, and so it's hard to see that. And that's why it's so important for each and every one of us. Number one, trust your intuition. And you listen to that intuition. You could have let another year or two years go by and, you know, to your next mammogram, and then maybe it would show up, but it really does show the fallibility of our diagnostic systems and also the the power of a, a woman's intuition and trusting that you know your body better than anyone so i think that's a really important it's a really important uh, message that you're giving thank you and I, that is the biggest takeaway is that we have to know our bodies better than any doctor ever possibly could because we're the ones living with ourselves day to day so that's why when we feed our bodies well and we sleep well and we manage our stress and we move every day, we then are more aware of what is normal for our body and what is not. And that goes for moles and freckles and you know things popping up and acne and, and rashes, you know, all of that. It's your body trying to tell you yep. something. So don't, you know, I do, I encourage you. I know you guys can do it and I know that you want to. So I, I love the, the fact that you're here and you're always listening to Dr. Anna. I know that you want to really empower yourself. And uh, I love that. So you guys can find me, as she mentioned, so both Facebook and Instagram at Samantha Harris TV, like television, Samantha Harris TV. And then Samantha-Harris.com has links to get over to the Your Healthiest Healthy community, which is my membership community. So every week I do a live coaching session. I have a live guest expert and I offer a workout and then we do some other fun challenges and stuff. And then I do my Your Healthiest Healthy retreats and my on-demand courses. And all the links for those are also on my Instagram link in bio. So that as well. 
Oh, that's awesome. I want to join one of your healthiest, healthy retreats. So oh my gosh, um, I totally want to. That'll be so much fun. The Utah one is epic. It happens every year in the fall, usually October, um, sometimes November. And it is so just being there is transformative and spectacular. But the women who are there, it's always a small group. And we have so much fun with, you know, the daily hikes and I lead breath work and coaching sessions one on one and group and we eat together. And it, uh, it's yeah, four days and three nights of awesomeness. But I do one sometimes in Santa Monica, California as well. And uh, sometimes along the coast. So anyway, yeah, they're always fun. I love oh it. My they're, they're my favorite. They're do awesome. we do dancing in your retreat? We, I will say we had one, one of the retreats and I may have to bring the, do this again with the girls. We had a PJ party and we blasted the music and we were just having a ball dancing around the, uh, the big room because I, I get a big suite. And so we have a big sitting area. It's where we do our coaching sessions and we just had, you know what, we just had fun. And the greatest thing is most, I think a couple times we have women who know each other and come together. But I would say 90% of the women who come, come by themselves. They don't know anyone else. And I think that's actually what's pretty special. We all do. It means that each person there is doing something for themselves mm -hmm. that they really needed, regardless of whether or not they could make it happen with another friend. And I love that. I love that too, because again, we are responsible for ourselves and our energy really drives the energy of the people around us. Mm -hmm. And so in our interaction with them, we can be magnetic or we can be, you know, repelling. <laughs> we don't want that. So it is a shift in energy and it comes with positivity. And it's like you said, it's positive, not rose colored glasses. And I'm just, you know, I'm not just putting, you know, a nice, healthy uh, smile on this. I am really talking with substance, with character, and that's what I love, the depth of your work. And also, I just want to quickly say, people say, well, do we do hormones after breast cancer? And I would just say where, you know, vaginal estrogen, DHEA, that research with, you know, especially maintaining the pelvic floor, the hormones to the pelvic floor is very positive. Right. It's that we don't have with transdermal estrogens, even with oral estrogens, not an increased risk in breast cancer. We get into trouble with the progestins, the synthetic progesterones, not the bioidentical progesterone. Again, no increased risk with bioidentical progesterone, DHEA or estrogen or testosterone, but we do with the synthetic. So it's really critical to do it and do it safely. Transdermal is the safest way. And also, again, empowering your body, opening up those detox pathways so we can we can, you know, really eliminate toxins um, before they can cause more harm. So thank you, Samantha, for being here. And I thank you all for listening and being part of the Girlfriend Doctor community. We have so much to share. We have so much information and we appreciate your questions. So remember, there's no such thing as TMI. You can ask or tell me anything. I'm glad you're here. Till next time.